Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us, and He has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen, and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. God, I thank you for each and every person here. We never take it for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. God, I pray that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today that they can use and make their lives better. Not just years from now, God, or months from now, or weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Loved ones, first image. You know that we are still in the middle of our re-engage category. And that re-engage category has a certain goal. That goal says re-engage life regardless of the fear or failure and re-engage it without condemnation, knowing that if you fall in the process, your risen king has empowered you to get up. We were bookmarked on this woman with the issue of blood for a minute, but we transitioned. We are now talking about the daughter of Jairus. And that daughter has an interesting, let's say, a story around her life. And we're going to delve into that a little bit today. Here is how Matthew tells that account. Next image. Matthew chapter 9, easy to read, starting in verse 18. While Jesus was still talking, a leader of the synagogue came to him. Synagogue came to him. The leader bowed down before him and said, My daughter has just died, but if you will come and touch her with your hand, she will live again. So Jesus and his followers went with the man. On the way, there was a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. We've already talked about her. She came close behind Jesus and touched the bottom of his coat. She was thinking, if I can touch his coat, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw the woman. He said, be happy, dear woman. You are made well because you believe. Then the woman was healed. Shifting to Jairus again, Jesus continued going to the Jewish leader, with the Jewish leader, and went into the leader's house. He saw people there who make music for funerals. He saw a crowd of people crying loudly. Jesus said, go away. The girl's not dead. She's only sleeping. But the people laughed at him. After the people were put out, the, out of the house, Jesus went into the girl's room. He held the girl's hand, and the girl stood up. The news about this spread all over the area. Those four words there, the girl stood up, that's where we kind of rested last session. We didn't rest exactly on those words, though. We rested on the book of Mark. Because Mark says it a little differently. Here is Mark, King James Version. Where Matthew says the girl got up, Mark chapter 5, verse 41. And he took, he meaning Jesus, took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say to thee, arise. At that point, God gave us you can call it a command, a statement, a word. Each of us is to arise. If you look at that word arise, it is very similar to the root, which is rise. There is a subtle difference between the two. Some people use them as the same, but they're not. Family, there is a big difference in me telling you to rise versus my telling you to arise from. Let's give you a scenario, a really quick scenario, because there is a difference. I want you to imagine with me, you in the next image, that we have a person who is seated in a crowded auditorium. They're seated right dab smack or smack dab I don't know if it's dab smack or smack it's something smack and something dab but they're in the middle and I look at that person and I request ask 
command that person to rise. What happens? I'll give you, I'll give you a, a, a visual. Marcus, can you be my visual? Just, just rise right there. Using him as our visual, when I ask, request, command for him to rise, I want you to notice something. He does change his physical position, but he doesn't change locations. He does change his physical position, but he is still surrounded on all sides by the same people he was before. Flip it. Have a seat. And you don't have to move to me, but just stand. If I ask him to now arise from the crowd, not only would he stand, but you can step if you want, but he wouldn't just change positions. He cannot possibly do that command to arise from the crowd without, hear me, separating himself from the people he typically was surrounded by. He cannot fulfill that command and still stay located in exactly the same spot. Let's change the scenario. You can just stay up here with me. Change the image. Let's say he's not in a crowd of people, but he's in a landfill. He's in a garbage heap. He's right smack dab in the middle of trash. And I look at him and I say, Marcus, rise. He stands up, but guess what? He is still surrounded by garbage. He's still surrounded by solid waste. He's still surrounded by unnecessary baggage and, and trash. But when I ask him to arise from that heap, he cannot fulfill that command unless he separates himself from the trash that is currently in his life. There's a difference between when you tell somebody or ask somebody or make a command for somebody to kumi. You want them to arise and come out of. Not just rise. These scenarios of which he, he represents the example is a snapshot of the life of many believers. They somehow get, I don't know, somebody brought them to church, something happened in their life, whatever. There's something sparks a desire to be closer to God. They come into, into his, his grace and boom, they get a rise in spiritual status. They accept Jesus. But what they fail to do, even though they have a rise in status, a rise in position, they fail to arise from their old associates, from the people that, was, that were generally surrounding them. They didn't separate from those people as necessary. A rise in status. Now a child of the king, born again, sanctified. But have, they have, he has not arise from the trash that was in his life. Trash being situations, trash being problems, trash being issues, trash being vices, trash being bad habits. God is not just telling us to rise. God wants us to arise from. Arise from your problems. God doesn't, God doesn't want him to just rise in status. He wants him to arise from his situation. He doesn't want him to just, get this, rise in material gain. He wants him to arise from his issue. 
And as believers, what we get into the habit of is we get in the habits of, of saying things like, you know, I'm going I'm to get in my word. I'm going I'm I'm to go to so-and-so's conference. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit at the feet of so-and-so. Why? Because I want to get some knowledge and more understanding. I want to pursue, pursue God. I want to get that, that, that insight. I want to get that revelation. I want to I I know more about God's wisdom. All of that is good. It's good to get the knowledge. It's good to get the understanding and the wisdom and the revelation. But hey, God doesn't want you to just get a rise in knowledge. He also wants you to arise from your bad habits. He doesn't just want you to get a, a rise in understanding. He wants you to guess what? Arise from your heartbreak. He doesn't want you to just get a rise in wisdom. He wants you to arise from your fears. God doesn't want you to just rise in revelation. He wants you to arise from your failure. God doesn't want you to just rise. He wants you to kumi. He wants you to arise from. Not just get born again, but stay where you are. But when you set your mind that you're going to arise from, that brings us face to face with a certain determining factor. What is that factor? Well, it's going to cue up our discussion for the day. Here it is. Loved ones. If your aim is to arise from your old life and step into the new godly life that God has for you, the company you keep is a key determining factor. We're going to talk about the people in your circle today. Or at least start talking about it. It always surprises me how many people are oblivious, oblivious to the reality that when you're trying to arise from the old, the company that you keep matters. Let's delve into that by taking us back to the very top of this account with J. Iris and his daughter. This time out of Luke. Luke chapter 8, verse 40 through verse 42 in the Voice Bible. When Jesus and his disciples crossed the lake, another crowd was waiting to welcome him. A man made his way through the crowd. His name was J. Iris, and he was a synagogue official. Like the man on the other side of the lake, this dignified man also fell at Jesus' feet, begging Jesus to visit his home, where his only daughter, a girl of 12, lay dying. Jesus set out with Jairus. The crowd came along too, pressing hard against him. Here we have Jairus coming to Jesus falling at Jesus' feet to petition for his daughter's life. Now, let me state the obvious. This man is making this petition for his daughter because his daughter is in no condition to make that petition for herself. <laughs> He's making this petition because she can't do it. Thankfully for her, she has someone in her camp, in this case her father. Thankfully to, for her, she has someone who is willing 
to petition heaven for her healing, especially since she is in no condition to petition heaven for herself. Follow me close. Read the tea leaves. You already know where we're going. This reminds me of another account where Jesus heals a paralyzed man. Notice this account. Quick jump. Luke chapter 5, verse 17 through 18. And we're going to talk about Mark chapter 3. Chapter 2, verse 3, is all in the voice. Starting in Luke. One day, Jesus was teaching in a house, and the healing power of the Lord was with him. Pharisees and religious scholars were sitting and listening, having come from villages all across the regions of Galilee and Judea and from the holy city of Jerusalem. Some men came to the house carrying a paralyzed man on a bed pallet. They wanted to bring him and bring him in and present him to Jesus. Now, Luke says there were some men carrying a paralyzed man, but I thank God for Mark giving us a little bit more detail. Mark says there were four men, not just some, and they tried to bring a crippled friend to him. So they weren't just people together. They were friends. That means these four men took this act out of a sense of personal ownership for their friend's well-being. Keep going. Give me my next one, please. Picking up at Luke again, right at the top, chapter, chapter 5, verse 17, the voice. One day Jesus was teaching in a house and the healing power of the Lord was with him. Pharisees and religious scholars were sitting and listening, having come from villages all across the the regions of Galilee and Judea, Judea and from the holy city of Jerusalem. Some men, we know there's four now, came to the house carrying a paralyzed man, their friend, on his pallet bed, on his, his bed pallet. They wanted to bring him in and present him to Jesus But the house was so packed with people that they couldn't get in. Now, Mark chapter 2, verse 2, easy to read, clarifies this for us. It wasn't just packed with people. Mark says, the house was so full that there was no place to stand, not even outside the door. So they were jam-packed like sardines up in that piece to the point to where even if you wanted to stand at the door, you couldn't get through. Next image. Jumping right through. This is Luke chapter 5 again. This time we jump in eight, verse 18. Some men came to the house carrying a paralyzed man on his bed pallet. They wanted to bring him in and present him to Jesus, but the house was so packed with people that they couldn't get in. So they climbed up on the roof and pulled off some roof tiles. Then they lowered the man, their friend, by ropes, so he came to rest right in front of Jesus. Let's spend some time right here. Family, this is an extraordinary effort. This is not soft-handing it. These are people who are doing something extraordinary. I'm talking about they climbing up on the roof. And if they climbed on the roof, they had to get their friend up on the roof. Not only that, they're ripping off roof tiles. This is an extraordinary effort. Let me ask you this. How many people do you have in your life that are willing to put in the extraordinary effort to help make you better? 
Them there's the right kind of people. If you don't have the right kind of people in your life, I recommend you get yourself some. These men are putting in effort. How many people in your life do you have that are put in the effort to help make you better? How many people do you have in your life that are going out of their way to help make you better? They going out of their way. There is no room. He can't get through. We already bringing you on a pallet. Ain't that good enough? If all these people weren't here, excuses, if all these people weren't here, we could get you in front of Jesus. That's not what they do. They go out of their way. Let me ask you, how many people do you have in your life, in your network, in your circle that'll go out of their way, put in the extra effort to help make you better? Because if you don't, you need to get yourself some. Them there's the right kind of people. If you want to arise from your old life, the people, the company that you keep, it matters. But, 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 look at here. Go back up one more, one slide, please. One image. <clears throat> we already know the house was so full, you couldn't squeeze the smallest person through there if you wanted to. In other words, they had the willingness to get this man to Jesus, but there were barriers between them. Let me ask you, how many people do you have in your circle that will separate and get rid of and move out of and get you through barriers in your environment that is keeping you from reaching Jesus? How many people? Listen, they, there was a barrier in front of them. They, they went over it. Listen, carrying him with them. There was a barrier on the roof. They broke through it. How many people in your network, in your circle, in your personal, in your personal holy of holies that will break down barriers for you to get to Jesus? That's the right kind of people. Them's the right people. If you don't have them kind of people in your circle, I recommend you get yourself some. Take me back to the slide. They climbed on the roof, and you could say, with him. They pulled off some tiles, you could say, for him. Then they lowered the man by ropes. So he came to rest right in front of Jesus. When the people in your circle help you, where or to whom do they lead you? Where do they lead you? When you need them the most, when they trying to make you better, make your life better, put a smile on your face, what, what, where do they lead you? I mean, do they lead you to the club? <laughs> do, they, do they lead you on a vacation so you can get your groove back? Huh? Do they lead you to a place to drink? Do they lead you to a place to get high? Where do they lead you? Ooh, get this. To make you feel better, do they lead you to a place where you can get some revenge? Do they, do they stir up that fire in you to get some get back? Do they stir up the hate in you so that you can charge against your quote-unquote enemy, the person that hurt you, the person that treated you wrong. These men led their friend in his time of need to the Prince of Peace. 
they led their friend to a place where the paralyzed man could get real healing. Not just mask it. Mask it. Bless you. What about you? When the people in your circle step up to do something for you that they call help, where do they lead you? Do they lead you right in front of Jesus? Or do they put you at Satan's doorstep? The right kind of people, not just put in the extra effort, not just help you break down the, the barriers to keep you from Jesus, but when they actually get the chance to get you somewhere, they take you to a place of rest, which is right in front of Jesus. They don't pull you from your church. They don't pull you from your God. They don't pull you from your prayer time. They don't pull you from your, your commitment to keep your body holy. They pull you to Jesus, not from him, not away from him. What kind of people do you have in your circle? Because if you got them people that do the opposite, mm -mm, you ain't got the right people. The right kind of people put you right in front of Jesus. What kind of people you got? Look at the person next to you and say, what kind of people in your circle? Mm, mm, mm. You know, because if, 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 if they're not matching this kind of criteria, if they're matching the other criteria, mm -mm, no, 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 ma'am. Listen, we, 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 we want people that are, that are going to put the extra effort in to help get us better. And that's going to break down barriers to help get us better. And that are going to get us before Christ, not pull us away. That's the right kind of people. If you don't have the right kind of people like that, you need to get yourself some. Amen. Look at Tell your, tell your neighbor, say, get yourself some. Get yourself some. We don't, we, we, we don't, we don't, we don't need, forget that we want, we don't need people in our life that are not the right people. Because we know in order to arise from your old life and step into your new God-led life, your company got to be right. But here we go. Staying right here for a second. Verse 18, some men came in the house carrying a paralyzed man on his bed pallet. They wanted to bring him in and present him to Jesus, but the house was so packed with people that they couldn't get in. So they climbed up on the roof and pulled off some roof tiles. Then they lowered the man by ropes so he, could, so he came to rest right in front of Jesus. Give me the verse 20. In this way, their faith was visible to Jesus. Jesus, say, talking to the man on the pallet, says, my friend, all your sins are forgiven. Now, that part in Luke where he says their faith was visible. In Mark, both Amplified Classic and Easy to Read, Mark chapter 2, verse 5, how Mark puts that part is, when Jesus saw their faith, their confidence in God through him. Then he said, easy to read says, when Jesus saw how much faith they had, then he said. But I like that he said their faith and faith that they had, not just the paralyzed man. I'm not going to assume that the paralyzed man didn't have faith, but this is clear that Jesus' full attention is focused on their faith, the four men's faith. The, I'm going to see a barrier in front of you and then climb over it with you type of faith. 
that I'm going to see something in front of you and break up the tiles from the roof, roof so you can get the Jesus kind of faith. Their faith was visible. I want you to just, just, just dramatize me with me really quick. Because I, I, when I think about this, the Bible don't say it was noon or three in the, three in the afternoon or whatever. But, so this is just me. But I envision it being sunny. It's sunny outside. And, 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 and these people are doing all this for their friend when it would just be the easiest thing to say, you know what, bro? We tried. But the right kind of people don't do that. Here is Jesus in the, in the thicket. He doing whatever he do. He probably got only enough room to do what he doing because it already told us it was so thick. You couldn't even stand outside if you wanted to stand outside. So there is Jesus in the midst doing his Jesusing. And because you're in a covered area, for example, we're, we're, we're covered and in the brightest of day, it's still not as bright as since being out in the sun. So there is Jesus. He's doing his thing, and it's probably loud in there. Then all of a sudden, little beams of sunlight start coming through the roof, and everybody look up and get quiet, and Jesus say to himself, what in the world? <laughs> But it gets quiet because what, what is, it's, not, it's not the noise that gets their attention initially. It's the beams of light and maybe of some debris. What, what's, what's going on? After a period of time, Jesus quickly realizes that there are men up there trying to, with ropes and a pallet, trying to wedge their friend through the roof and lower him down. And Jesus says to himself, oh, no, they didn't. <laughs> oh, and as the man is getting lowered, get this. Jesus said, and he says in his spirit, before he even lays eyes on the man, Face to face. Before he even knows the man's issue, Jesus, seeing how they're so dogmatic about getting this man before him and knowing what they have gone through to get this man there, Jesus says, before the man even gets close to him, it is done. I don't care what it is. If they going through this much effort to get to me, I'm going to call it done right now. Who in your circle, how many people in your group, how many folks in your network are able to take actions on your behalf that make Jesus take notice? How many people in your circle are able to take actions that cause Jesus to say, Yes. How many people in your network are able to take actions that make all of heaven put resources your way? How many people in your circle are, are those kind of people that have faith? Get this. Faith that actually has spiritual weight. How many people do you have in your circle that can make all of heaven look beyond what your, your issue is and acknowledge the faith of the people bringing you, of the people praying for you, of the people working with you. How many people do you have like that? Because if you don't have those kind of people in your circle, you need to change, get yourself some, because that's the right kind of people. The right P 
people are the people who, because of what they do, get Jesus' attention. Go, go farther. Now, for completeness, we're going to finish up this. But there is a nugget in here that I want to just make mention of. Luke chapter 5, verses 21 through 26. Jesus said, listen, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and religious scholars, good Lord, were offended at this. They turned to one another and asked questions. They said, who does he think he is? Wasn't that blasphemous? Who can pronounce that a person's sins are forgiven? Who but God alone? I'm coming back to that. Let's just read it through right now. Jesus responded to his question, probably sucking his teeth. Jesus said, why are your hearts full of questions? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Just so you will know that the Son of Man is fully authorized to forgive sins on earth, Jesus turns to the paralyzed fellow lying on the pallet and he says this, I say, get up, arise, take your mat and go home. And then right in front of their eyes, the man stood up, picked up his bed and left to go home, full of the praises of God. Everyone was stunned. They couldn't help but feel awestruck, and they praised God too. The people said, we've seen extraordinary things today. Now let's talk about this. And I realized that what the Pharisees and religious scholars said came before Jesus said, get up. He, right now, he's just said, you know, he just said, you know what, your, your sins be forgiven. But he meant the same thing. The Pharisees and religious scholars were offended and says, who does he think he is? They are focused on the wrong thing. All the focus and celebration should be on this man getting healed. <coughs> should be on this man arising from his, 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 his current state into a new state. But it's not. What I'm getting ready to toss out there is a curveball that is, has nothing to do with this game we're playing right now. But it's stuck in my spirit, so it's going to apply to somebody. These Pharisees and religious scholars remind me of people in our current era. And I'm sure it's not just current era, but just since it applies to us, we're current, so to our era. They really have no respect for Jesus because he's not one of them. He hasn't studied like them. He hasn't come through the ranks like them. I'm just spitballing here. Today, in today's era, there are people who look at other people who are doing what they believe is God's will for them to do. But just because the person doing it did not go to seminary or do not have a theological, thank you, theological degree, they give them slack for it. They put pressure on them. Let me tell you this. Jesus is doing what he's doing with signs following. So if you, whoever you are, 
if you are doing what you believe God wants you to do and God is confirming you with signs following, you just ignore your naysayers and you keep doing what you do. Who does he think he is? I'm a child of God. Who does she think she is? I'm a child of God. And you can deny me all you want to, but look at the signs. You can't deny that. I'm delivering people. I'm making people whole. Yeah, God is working through me, but everywhere my foot treads, people are saying that they are being set free. I don't care whether or not you like it or not. You keep doing what you do. When a person is doing what God has called them to do, they do not need verification, justification, or praise from anybody. Who does he think he is? He's somebody doing what you're not. He's somebody getting results that you can't. But here Jesus, to appease them and talk their speak so that they'll know, he tells this man to get up, take your mat, and go home. In other words, arise from your situation. Make no bones about it, though. This paralyzed man gets his opportunity to arise because his company put him in position to be set right in front of Jesus. Without the right association, without the right people in his network, he likely does not end in this position. Likewise, Jairus' daughter. She ends up being face-to-face with Jesus because someone in her camp took action to make it so. Give me my next image. Luke chapter 8, verse 41 through 42, once again, talking about Jairus, a man made his way through the crowd. His name was Jairus. He was a synagogue official. Like the man on the other side of the lake, this, what kind of man was he? This dignified man also fell at the feet of Jesus and he begged Jesus. That is not what dignified people usually do. Let me ask you this. Are the people in your circle willing to get undignified for you? I can tell you, the people in my circle, they'll cut the food for me. Look here, and, and I'll cut the plum food for them. Now, none of us want to be in jail, but hey. If you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. We don't want to be on the front page, but hey, we'll get undignified. This dignified man fell at the feet. He's not supposed to be doing that. He's begging. He's not supposed to be doing that. But when you got the right kind of people, they will cut the food for you if necessary. Come out and get you from a crowded room without makeup on if necessary. Skip, you might not like it, it's gonna sound funny, but it's true. Skip brushing their teeth and get in the car with pajamas on to come and get you. Get undignified. Look here. Now this is this is this is years ago. Years ago. 
And, and I'm going to leave it nameless, but there is a person who knew us, family friend. One of my children was maybe elementary school or middle school or whatever. I don't know how it happened. I can only think it's God. Walked in to the office space or whatever, and one of my children was getting, I'm going to call it harassed by one of the administration. They got undignified. <laughs> oh, not that one. I'm not the mama. I'm not the daddy. But I got association with that one. You better back up off of that one. Don't, don't, hey, don't help. Don't don't help me take these earrings off and put this Vaseline on my, and, and don't help me, don't help me blow up on, well, she didn't do all that, but, but she made, she made sure we knew, and I think, actually took you home. They ain't supposed to let that go with nobody. Walked in that thing, noticed something with such authority, took my child out to school. And I dare you to mess with me while I walk out of here. <laughs> what kind of people you got in your circle? Because if you don't have people that'll get undignified for you, see, what they'll do is they'll change depending on who you're around. If you don't have the right kind of people, I, I recommend you get yourself something. You see, I'm, I'm, I'm down for mine, whether we in the house, whether we in the mall, whether we at the beach, whether we at church, whether we in the pulpit, whether we in the parking lot, whether we, whether we sitting in the, in the restaurant that's five star, or whether we getting barbecue that's, that's laid on the table, it don't matter. Because guess what? We make sure that we understand that to have a life that God ordains, the company that you keep matters. Dignified man all on the ground. Are you willing to take a look at your circle and really identify the right I ain't talking about just because they're your relative. Look, look, look here. I got non-blood family that are more family than my blood family. Can y'all hear me still? I just think I didn't shook this thing off. <laughs> but but I got I I got I got I got people who didn't come from my grandparents' bloodline. There's tighter than anybody that I ever grew up with. That was my blood relative. So are you willing to look in your circle and make sure that each person, regardless of kinness or affiliation, is the right person. You see, this girl had somebody in her camp, right people. The paralyzed man, somebody in his camp, right people. As believers, we often miss that point that you need the right people. And so you end up wanting to arise, but you fail. Let's read something together. Give me the next image, please. 
when we're talking about failure to arise, starting from the front, read this with me, ready to go. Many believers fail to arise from their old life and step into their new God-led life because they have no people in their lives who are able and willing to exert natural and spiritual effort to help them. Now that's a mouthful. Many believers fail to arise because they have no people in their lives who are able and willing to exert natural and spiritual effort to help them. I haven't given you a Smithism in a while. This is the long version, but that's not it. But it's this one, once again, Many believers fail to arise from their old life and step into their new God-led life because they have no people in their lives who are able and willing to exert natural and spiritual effort to help them. Here's your Smithism. Some people are subject to issues that come over because they have no one in their lives to help them overcome. One more time. Some people are subject to issues that come over because they have no one in their lives to help them overcome. Family, The right people are important. The right people help you to your feet when you can't. The right people pray for you when you don't. The right people are there when you need them to be. Here's your end statement for today. Because loved ones, if your goal is to arise, a fundamental requirement is that you keep your personal network right and tight. And I know you hear about right and tight. We're not talking about glutes. We're not talking about squats. Get your, get your jeans to fit right. That's not what we're talking about. But if you're going to arise into this new life, you got to get your personal network right and tight. What do we mean by right and tight? I want you to say this with me. Because I want it to resonate in your spirit. Because what's not shown there before you is keep your personal network small. You hear that. You only have a few people in your holy of holies. Listen, you can have a thousand people if it's right and tight. Nobody says your circle's got to be small. The problem is you may have, some may have had experience where they let the wrong person in their circle and got hurt. But if they had done the right maintenance and kept it right and tight, that would have never happened. But let's say this. I didn't, I'm not saying keep it small. Keep it right. And keep it tight. Here is what right and tight means. Ready? Here we go. Say this with me. Say, right people in and the wrong people out. Allowing space for laughter, but making no room for foolishness. Acknowledging people are imperfect, but requiring improvement. 
being willing to forgive a real mistake, but rejecting empty excuses. Right and tight. If you're going to be in this circle, we don't take no foolishness. You need to show up when you say you're going to show up. Do what you say you're going to do. Or leave me alone. Right and tight. I know you make mistakes. Everybody make mistakes. But let's not see that same mistake over and over. We need improvement. We need growth. We need movement to better. Yeah, we can laugh together. We have a good time. We eat and fellowship. But we don't, we don't do foolishness in here. We keep it right and tight. And that's from all angles. You jerk the slack out of them. And you are receptive when they need to jerk the slack out of you. If your goal is to arise, it's fundamental. You not only have the right people around you, but you keep that thing right and tight. The bottom line, family, is that the right people around you can help you get to where God wants you to be. The right people around you can help break down barriers that's separating you from God's best. If you don't have some, get yourself some. Of course, we've talked about the right people. You know we're going to spend some time talking about the other side of that coin. <laughs> but that's next time. For now, I want you to say something with me. Starting today, Starting today I'm going to Take inventory, Take inventory of my circle. Of my circle. If, the if the person is not, is not the, right the right person, I am comfortable, I am comfortable making the necessary, necessary adjustment. Because I, I know for me to get, me to, get <laughs> to where God wants me to be, I need, I need the right people. Give God some praise. Yeah, you need the right people. Let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person here. And I thank you, God, that everyone has received what you had to say. And not just receive it, but receive it with gladness. knowing that although evaluating the people in your life can be challenging, they are comfortable with the knowledge that it's all in preparation for a better outcome. I also pray that you give them courage, courage to have the conversations that need to be had, courage to make the decisions that need to be, to make, need to be made. I thank you for the right people coming their way, people coming in their path who can make up for some and, yeah, be a replacement for others. We want their circle of associations, of associates, to be such that the people in that circle 
are willing to put forth the effort to help make their lives better. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.